0: This podcast is brought to you by Podcast Nation. Welcome to Tuesday's episode. This was a fun one because my husband and I put Milo to bed. He actually fell asleep on time, which is a rare occurrence. And then we came down to my studio and talked about vasectomies. And I was like, wow, I don't remember the last time my husband and I just sat down and talked uninterrupted for almost an hour. It was so special. And even though we were talking about male reproductive organs and vasectomies, it was still just so nice as many of you know, my husband is a urologist. He has been on the podcast multiple times. We did an episode about pediatric urology. That is episode 51. In that episode, we do talk about circumcision, UTIs, testicular torsion, bedwetting, and more. So I highly recommend you go listen to that one because a lot of people had a question about circumcision. We also have a Q&A with my husband, which is episode 137, so people sent in so many questions about adult UTIs, kidney stones, marriage, balancing a busy career and family, and so on. We have an entire episode dedicated to bedwetting. That is also a Q&A with my husband. That is episode 230. And then we have an entire Q&A episode about incontinence. So if you are leaking urine, you're going to want to listen to that one. He explains why that is so common in pregnancy and also in postpartum and obviously what you can do to help it. And finally, we have another more in-depth episode on bedwetting, and that is episode 317. So look at my husband. Oh my God, he's like a regular. For this episode, I put up a question box, asked if you had questions about vasectomies or the male reproductive organs slash male reproductive health. There were so many questions. This episode specifically focuses on vasectomies, but I think for the other questions that people sent in about erectile dysfunction, about a shy bladder, there were other things about like hernias and whatnot. We're going to do a full separate episode to talk about those things. But in this episode, we are going over what exactly is a vasectomy, what are they doing, what's the recovery process like, how often is it a failed vasectomy, you always hear about people getting a vasectomy and then they end up getting pregnant, what you should be doing after a vasectomy to make sure that it was actually successful, does it affect testosterone? so many things to talk about in this episode. So if you and your partner are looking into vasectomies, this is a great episode to listen to. So let's get him on the pod. Without further ado, please welcome my husband, Dr. Pre, to the mom room. Welcome husband. It's so lovely to have you back. We value your information, but also I was like, I don't have an episode for Tuesday.
1: <laughs> that's why That's why you asked me, I know. Like, who? texted me at work on Monday. Yeah. Oh, can we talk about this?
0: Like, today? shit, yeah. who could I get <clears throat> to come on? I know. Yeah. Anyways, so we are recording in the basement. It's a little bit of a different setup, so I'm going to test this out because, as you all know, I cannot, for the life of me... Get my camera to focus. I have these expensive cameras.
1: Why don't you take it to like a camera store?
0: No, Sean is going to come to the house and help me set up the studio properly. Okay. With like lighting. I've had these
1: cameras for like a year. I know, and but like uh, when I
0: used them previously, yeah. it was in focus. Oh, so okay. I don't know. I must have played with like the thing on the front and. Caroline was like, watch YouTube videos on how to autofocus. Like you can set it to be automatic. And I'm like, I don't understand. Like, I don't know how There's to work.
1: Step by step
0: on there. I don't understand cameras. Like, I don't want any huh. part of it. I just want it to work. But this seems okay. legit. So I'm basically just recording the video with the program that I use virtually in the studio with our actual mics into the recording, like the little What's it called? Portable recorder thing. So, anywho, the biggest question that I have for you is Are you so impressed with my cooking in 2024?
1: Yeah, it's been pretty good so far. I mean, we're only <laughs> 10 days in.
0: Except so. for the pork chops.
1: The pork chops. One, I don't like pork chops. I know. But so, I don't know why you thought that was going to be impressive for me. But, uh,
0: okay. So, you know how I don't like shrimp?
1: Yeah, but I don't make shrimp for you.
0: Okay, I know. So that's
1: the. It's just <laughs> that's, the pork that's chops. The difference
0: in my mind, I was like, okay, he. I've tried shrimp. Like when we go out, I try it, and so you in my. Ne,
1: you've never tried shrimp.
0: Excuse not me. In
1: my no, never.
0: On vacation in Mexico, they had the deep fried shrimp things. I ate them.
1: A deep fried. Come on, it's not the same thing. I know you can deep fry anything and you'll eat it, but I'm just saying it tastes terrible.
0: You're always like, I don't like pork chops. I don't like pork chops. I they are so good, and so I was thinking like maybe you just hadn't had it. Like
1: something about the taste of pork chops, and and I'm fine eating like bacon or like ribs. I don't know what it is, but there's something about pork chops, and I don't know what exactly it is. I cannot stand the taste of pork chops. I can't can't like. Stand the smell of pork chops.
0: But that's so weird to me because I assumed it was a texture thing because the texture no, of pork chops everything. are very like...
1: No, it's everything about it. I just I just don't like it.
0: And nothing happened to you in your lifetime that... No, no. That's so weird. Because like for me with shrimp, and remember the other day you were like, I was like, I had a traumatic experience with shrimp or something and you were like, what happened? And we just kind of like stopped talking about it. Did I ever tell you?
1: I don't recall you ever,
0: no. Yeah. So anyways, when I was little, and this was when we lived in, like, you know where my old house was in Sudbury in Llewellyn? It was like across the road. Remember Mallard's Landing where you could see the ducks and stuff? So it was in that neighborhood when we lived there. So I would have been kindergarten and senior kindergarten. Like that was my age. So like Milo's age. Mm -hmm. And at that time you could go to the grocery store and buy... Almost like a cardboard box thing, like a Timbit box, almost of shrimp, to like from the grocery store. I swear to God, I'm going to ask my mom if this is facts. I don't
1: remember ever in my lifetime seeing. I don't that. know if I made this. They up. came in a bag, or you got them at like the counter. Okay. and they put it in a bag.
0: This is what I remember from my childhood, and I'll ask my mom if this is actually what happened. I was carrying them into the house in the kitchen, and the bottom of the box like let out. Yeah, and then there was just like disgusting shrimp, like all over the floor, on my feet and stuff. And that's the only thing I can think of that makes me so and just like the way not they even look, the, like not
1: even like the taste of it. But it's funny because you'll eat crab, like like crab cakes, yeah, like lobster, yeah, like lobster is just a big shrimp basically. Like in terms of like the taste and like that's the texture, true. but they have these. What did I see? It was. I think it was it was at the grocery store, but I've seen this like online about this. There's these Argentinian shrimp, mm-hmm. and apparently they're like they taste like lobster more than shrimp.
0: I don't um, think it's the taste of shrimp that irks me. It's like a yeah. mental thing. Like they just look disgusting, and the fact that you like I'm like have the shell in your hand, no, like you
1: can eat it, you can get it without the shell and just eat the shrimp.
0: Even still, though, it's like a little like. Turd, like I don't know why it's like the way that it looks. Like I just, I just don't like it. Anyways, okay. This is not the topic of the podcast, obviously. So let me open my notes. Yes, I have notes. Our dog, by the way, is just like walking around (laughs) on the floor here. Bubbles, you want to come up? Going to town over there. We usually watch TV right now. Yeah, we just put Milo to bed, and he didn't go to bed last night till eleven p.m. So. I assumed he was going to be exhausted because today was his first day back at school, and then he had swimming lessons. And I'm like, he's got to fall asleep so we can record this. But
1: he just likes to fight it, though. I was up there for like 20 minutes, and he was like, "Rub it back, no, don't do that." Like,
0: but also, just
1: just just (laughs) calm down. What I was
0: concerned about was, you know, sometimes when you stay up really, really late. You're mm. exhausted, like all day. But then once it's nighttime again, it's almost like your body is used to being awake late. I've never so you had that happen in my life. yeah, not you because no. you fucking sleep all the time, <laughs> no matter what. But anyways, that, like I
1: could sleep right now. So if we don't get this rolling, <laughs> I might fall asleep here. Okay, um, I got home at one o'clock last night.
0: Oh gosh, oh yeah. gosh, Bub and I were fast asleep. Yeah. Okay, I wanted to do a podcast episode for a long time about vasectomies. And just male reproductive health in general, because I feel like every time I have posted something or talked about vasectomies, like, there's so many comments and people always ask so many questions. Yeah. So even though this is the mom room and we usually talk about lady things, today is for the men. So you might want to send this episode to your husband, to your brother, your dad. <laughs> yeah, if they're
1: contemplating getting a vasectomy or...
0: Yeah, something like that. Yeah, yeah totally yeah. for show. Sure. So the first question I thought of just some general questions today that maybe people might be interested in. What is the general scope of a urology practice? So what does a urologist do? And I feel like
1: I don't think you even know the answer to this question.
0: I I kind of do. I can give you like my. What's
1: your. What do you think a day in the life is?
0: That's not the question. Okay. I, I feel like most people, if they're not in the medical field, or they don't have friends and family that are in the medical field, they don't necessarily know what the different specialties do. Unless it's like, okay, yeah. ear, nose, throat. Okay, they do ear, nose, and throat stuff. Yeah. But especially when it comes to urology, because I think a lot of women, like we associate our care down there with gynecology, Mm-hmm. And then I think a lot of people assume that urology is strictly for men. Yeah. So yeah, let's I mean, like I clear think the, that the up a old.
1: Bit. The old sort of adage is, oh, it's like a male gynecologist, but it's yeah. definitely not. I mean, I would say 40% of my patients are women. Mm. I mean, we, we just deal with an array of things. So, you know, anything from kidney stones, cancers of the urinary tract which can affect anyone, even specifically female things, stress incontinence, fistulas as well. So these are things that can What's happen. What's a fistula? So fistula, I mean, in general terms, is a connection between two structures that are not normally connected. But for, like in women in particular, like a vesicovaginal fistula, so between the bladder and the vagina, sometimes can happen after certain gynecologic procedures or traumas. They're
0: connected?
1: Yeah. So like a hole develops and you Kind of create a connection, and that that connection becomes what we call epithelialized. So you get kind of a tract between. So if you're if somebody's leaking constantly, and they've had surgeries in the past or birth trauma, it's just something to to rule out. But that's just one example of like a specifically female issue that urologists deal with. There's even like a subset of urologists who are female pelvic. Medicine specialists, mm. so dealing with things like prolapse and incontinence. Um, Do you know
0: any any female?
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: Specific, where
1: there's one that was that was in Hamilton with me, or oh, she's okay. in Hamilton there right now. Sorry, but we were in residency together, Laura. You you met oh, her a few times, yeah, yeah. yeah that's and so she
0: does. specializes in that yeah. stuff. Yeah. Oh, that's so that's cool. That's kind of her
1: subspecialty. I
0: should have her on the podcast. I yeah. feel like that would be a good one. Okay, so when it comes to reproductive, so if. There's a couple, man and a woman trying to have a baby and they're yeah. having trouble. The female would go do tests through gynecology, but the male would go to urology, correct?
1: Well, oftentimes I mean, I can only speak for for Ontario and kind of Canada in general, but oftentimes if you're going through your family doctor, you can get those initial tests done through the family doctor. So for women ultrasounds, mm-hmm. blood work, that sort of thing. For men even blood work as well, but semen analysis would be something that would be indicated. And then at least you can get like a cursory workup There. And if patients go to fertility centers, often it's a multidisciplinary team. So gynecologists, reproductive medicine specialists, and infertility or male factor urologists. So looking at male factor infertility. The important thing is, especially with fertility, the general rule is, you know, assess both partners and then sort of go for whatever is might be abnormal.
0: So what would you say are the top three? Oh, my answer for about like what urology, I was just going to say like bladders, you know, everybody has a bladder. That's not like a specific to a man or a woman. Mm -hmm. Kidneys. Yeah. Like I think when people think urology, they don't necessarily think kidneys. Kidneys, bladder, prostate, Women don't have prostates. Yeah. But no, oh, oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. But that's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. Like, you, yeah. this is what urologists would yeah. look at. And then urinary tract things. So, yeah. like UTIs, like all that kind of stuff.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, that's another kind of more, I shouldn't say specifically female, but predominantly female issue that we deal with is yeah. recurrent urinary tract infections, which, you know, I would say probably 10% of my practice is, you know, ref- Consults regarding that. Yeah, it's a challenging scenario because oftentimes you don't find a specific reason to to tell people. You know, this is what your problem is. Is how we can fix that. It's often a very multifactorial problem, and sometimes just idiopathic. We don't really know what the specific reason is, Mm. and uh, unfortunately, it's it's hard to tell someone that, and it's sometimes hard for that patient to accept that there's nothing specifically wrong that we can we
0: but can you can, can do on, like right? preventative
1: yeah i mean so we we talk about pre- prevention strategies we also talk about sort of being more not necessarily prophylactic but proactive when it comes to early treatment and and strategies around that it oftentimes does require sort of early treatment with antibiotics which you know No one wants to be on antibiotics all the time, but if you can get early treatment in a few days of treatment rather than, you know, progressing to more severe infections, it definitely is something that we can we can look at.
0: My husband and I both turn the big four zero next year, and we have been thinking a lot about our long term health. Ready to live life as if you don't have allergies? It's time to live Claritin clear. Fast and powerful relief is just a quick trip away. Find Claritin D at the pharmacy counter or ask for Claritin D at your local pharmacy. You don't even need a prescription. Go to Claritin.com right now for a discount so you can live Claritin clear. Use as directed. I have only had one really bad UTI in my entire life, like knock on wood. Like I'm just not somebody that gets UTIs yeah. and like my mom gets them really badly. I think my sister did as well, but mm-hmm. that was like the worst night of my life. And I, I remember yeah. this was when I lived in Quebec and I remember Like I couldn't just, because I had an Ontario health card, I couldn't just go to the clinic down the street. Like I had to wait, like it was a whole, oh my God, I was so irritated. But that, I was like in the fetal position, rocking back and forth, like in pain, Mm. just like going to the bathroom, like peeing, like it was terrible. And then eventually got on antibiotics. But I remember talking to, it was obviously like a general Physician, when yeah. I went to get clinic, tested or yeah. whatever. Yeah. But he was saying, like, some people's bodies, like your internal things might just not jive with like your partner's internal things. And it can create, like, is this facts? Have I asked you this? Yeah. Before? I mean, I
1: guess everyone's kind of microbiome is a little bit different. Yeah. You know, that's one sort of theory behind, you know, specifically intercourse related urinary tract right. infections. But I think a lot of research these days when it comes to prevention is looking at receptors in the bladder. And, you know, if specific patients have higher concentrations of certain receptors, are they receptors
0: being... for like bacteria? Exactly. Yeah. Oh. So
1: bacterial adherence to the wall, are they more likely to get bladder infections? So okay. there's there are some treatments out there, something like D Manos, Cranberry, those things kind of affect bacterial adherence to the bladder and there's some newer products that have higher concentrations of those active ingredients that can sometimes further reduce the risk of infection so it's more of a prophylactic type
0: so if somebody gets recurrent this is not the topic of this podcast but welcome a lot of time literally welcome to my life like this is what it's like to be in my brain okay (laughs) Like here, let's sit down Swirl. and talk about this. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I just have one question, and then we're gonna move on to vasectomies. I swear to God if you're a man listening to this, I swear. <laughs> They're like, what the hell is this? The cranberry thing. Yeah. Do you recommend people because I remember you saying like to drink the juice, like you would have to be drinking like
1: the concentration in the juice because
0: they make just- pills, right?
1: They have cranberry extract pills. There's some other kind of extract type pills that are out there. I'm not going to plug any products, but there's definitely some things on the market from some brands that have kind of higher concentration of these ingredients. But in terms of the juice, I mean, I think, you know, I always have patients come in, I'm drinking like pure, organic cranberry juice. Have you ever
0: tried that? I'm like,
1: yeah, you're spending like 20 bucks a bottle, Mm -hmm. probably not going to do as much. But you know, anything is better than nothing mm-hmm. if you're trying to be proactive.
0: Yeah. Okay, on to the topic of the freaking episode at almost 20 minutes. Okay, so I'm just going to skip that question because it's not the freaking topic and it's going to veer me off into another <laughs> direction. Okay, let's walk through what a vasectomy actually is. And this is exciting for me because I, I have an <laughs> idea, but like I don't think I What's really know. My idea is that... You have the two testicles and I hope Sean clips this for a, t- <laughs> for a TikTok. You have two testicles <laughs> and there's a tube that goes into each testicle. Yeah. And you are snipping the tube and tying it off. Each tube yes. on each side. Yeah, okay.
1: yeah, that's that's kind of the idea. So, in terms of physectomy, so the testicle is kind of like a soap on a rope. Okay. okay. If you think about that. The the rope would be something called the spermatic cord. So that has the vats that has the blood vessels, that has some muscle tissue and some other structures. I won't go into them. That's that's what that was a question on a royal college exam, which was like 10 structures in the vats or, or in the spermatic cord. Anyway, so the vase is it feels kind of like a like an al dente.
0: Okay, when you say vas, what is that? The
1: vas deferens. Which that's, is that's the tube that we're going to cut in a vasectomy. Oh, okay. Yeah.
0: Interesting. Um, vasectomy.
1: So it's kind of like, you know, like in terms of texture, it's like an al dente spaghetti noodle. So you can hmm. kind of feel it, it's kind of firm, kind of of that So same, and it goes from like So it, it's Goes into the structure called the epididymis, which is where, when the testicle makes sperm, the sperm goes into the epididymis to kind of mature, and then it comes through the vas, and then into the ejaculate. Okay.
0: Oh right. Okay, because it's so the sperm is sitting in the testicles.
1: Yeah, when you make sperm in the testicle, it's it goes through some maturation, but it's not totally mature. It goes into the vas, and then it completely matures. It becomes motile, so it moves. And then it can actually go into the reproductive kind of tract, right? Like when when a man ejaculates. Uh So the vas is kind of the one structure where it's a single tube. So it has only one channel that it can go down, right? So it's in the spermatic cord. And as I said, it's something that you can palpate. And it's it's certainly something that we can cut. And so that would interrupt the the flow of sperm. And by doing that, you have no sperm in the ejaculate.
0: I just have a question. Like there's yeah. two testicles, but are you saying there's only like, so the two no, no, like all, meets totally, and then it's one?
1: They're The, the vas is separate, but when it, like the sperm all go into the same place.
0: So are you cutting just one cut or two? Two. Okay. Okay. That's yeah.
1: Okay. They meet inside the body. Where oh, okay.
0: Where that's I'm what I, that's what I was there, curious right? about.
1: So anyway, so in terms of the procedure itself, generally this is done under local anesthetics. So just it, We we use a bit of an injection of lidocaine or marcaine. These are local anesthetics that you, similar to what you'd have. So is that painful for
0: people? Because I have had freezing done to get moles taken off and it is.
1: So it can be. And I mean, some people, depending on where you go, you can put on some topical anesthetic first and then kind of inject afterwards like a. You know, if you're taking your kids to get their shots, you kind of put that cream on their arm. Mm-hmm. Same sort of thing. You can you can do that. And there's some other devices where it's kind of more of a instead of a needle, it kind of like like it's pressurized air that kind of pushes it in. So that's more of a people call it less invasive, but I mean, it's not. Uh, yeah, it's the same thing. It's just, it's just
0: like I think it's the liquid because I remember the plastic surgeon explaining yeah, that to me. Yeah, like the liquid just stings when it's going yeah, in. Yeah. yeah,
1: it's just the. Ingredients in it that yeah, yeah. can burn, but once it's in, it's in, and you don't feel anything. So, in terms of the procedure itself, so there's there's various ways of doing it. The kind of the standard way these days is something called a no scalpel vasectomy. Honestly, it's more of a misnomer than anything else. When people think of no scalpel, they think, oh, you're not making a cut anywhere. You're just somehow doing this without so what any do you openings. Use? It's it's basically a sharp forcep. <laughs> That kind of splits the skin open and then you kinda of get access to Oh, the, like the a tube. little
0: like thing that goes like yeah, this. Yeah, yeah.
1: Exactly. So instead of like cutting it, you're kinda of, It's
0: you're almost like little sharp it. pointy tweezers that Yeah,
1: you spread the skin open. Yeah Yeah.
0: That seems worse to me.
1: Well, I mean But you not, can't feel you anything. You shouldn't feel anything. But still yeah, You shouldn't feel that
0: like part. I would rather like it. yeah, anyways. Yeah.
1: So there's different ways of doing it. Some people make an incision on both sides, so around the tube on either side. I typically make an incision just in the midline and pull the tube from either side through that one opening, less less holes. And then we basically expose the tube just itself. And then you have to you have to do something to occlude or or close down the clip or close down the tube, I should say. So all the guidelines, like Canadian neurology guidelines, American neurology guidelines recommend doing like a double ligation or or cautery of the tube. So, What does
0: ligation mean?
1: Tying it off, basically. Some people do suture. So basically a stitch that kind of ties it off. When I do these, I usually use small titanium clips that stay in there. So it's just a clip on either side and I cut out a piece of the tube using cautery between the clips. Okay.
0: Okay, so you make your one hole. You pull the tubes from each side. Yep. You and the tubes are connected at some point, right? Or no? No. Oh, okay, 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 yeah, yeah. yeah. So, like, why don't you just cut the tube?
1: No, I do. You do. Oh, you okay? You have to.
0: But you were saying some people just stitch it. That seems like if no, they really,
1: tie it off, but then you also take out a piece between.
0: Reds. Oh. Yeah. So that's what
1: I mean by kind of double double. Oh,
0: inching. okay.
1: You can also kind of stitch over some tissue inside the scrotum over it to kind of close it further. I don't think you necessarily have to do that. People have different methods of doing it. But overall, the biggest thing you want to do is make sure it's t- it's occluded, so closed off on either side, and then cauterized sort of on the inside of the tube as well. So that kind of
0: closes it down. Right? So can you explain to me then, if somebody gets a vasectomy, yeah. where like, in our little like diagram of the testicles yeah. and where the sperm goes and stuff, is the tube not severed? Like how does semen still travel?
1: Well, the majority of the ejaculate volume is not spur.
0: Is not from the testicles?
1: Yeah. The majority of it is from your prostate or something called a seminal (laughs) vesicle. It's like almost nothing. There's no change, no appreciable change in ejaculate volume after a vasectomy.
0: I feel like a dum-dum, but like... (laughs) I wonder if every like if other people are going to be like what?
1: I've had that question before for sure in the office.
0: Interesting. Yeah. Okay. So let's get into some of the questions that people had about vasectomies. So the first one was about how common a failed vasectomy is and yeah. like almost every question, well a lot of questions were about failed vasectomies. Okay. So Explain, first of all, how that even happens if you're literally severing it. Yeah. And then so, what's the occurrence? Like you how know, often?
1: I think th- there's a couple of reasons. One, in patients who have a lot of tissue in, in the scrotum, like around the tube, sometimes you can pick up tissue that kind of looks like the tube once you like kind of grab it and things like that. But it's not actually the tube.
0: What does the tube look like? I'm picturing like a blue vein. No,
1: it's, it's white. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, like I said, it's kind of like spaghetti.
0: Oh, literally. Uh, Yeah,
1: but just firmer. So, sometimes you can pick up something that kind of looks like the tube, but once you cut it, it, it actually isn't. So, if you don't recognize that, sometimes you can... You can cut the wrong thing, and you think it's a tube, but it wasn't, and you actually didn't do a vasectomy on one side or the other. Mm. The way you kind of confirm that was what I do is to send off the piece of the tube on either side to pathology, and they'll tell you that, that was the tube because it obviously looks like there's a characteristic pathology. But
0: that's not like a standard practice.
1: I think most people do it. Some people don't, and some people just send both pieces together as one specimen. I like to send it separately so that if if you do get a piece that says, "Oh, that wasn't the tube,"
0: you know, you which know what one. side
1: it is, so that you know, if you need to do it again, at least potentially, you can only have to do one side. Yeah. But so that's one one potential reason for why uh, the vasectomy fails is because it wasn't actually wasn't actually done properly. The other thing that can happen is if you don't take enough of the tube. Once you, once people heal, if there wasn't enough occlusion of the tube, or the clip falls off, or something, once things heal, the body has a tendency to kind of recanalize things. So the sperm is falling, is still being produced, it's kind of pushing its way out. You get inflammation, and the tube kind of draws itself closer together. It's kind of like you know the analogy, and it, it's not a direct analogy. But like, if somebody had this, their spinal cord severed, you're going to get some regrowth of things. And like, how do these thing? How do the nerves kind of know where to go?
0: Right. That's crazy. That's um, like science fiction. But that's stuff.
1: that's more of a rare kind of kind yeah. of reason for it. But in terms of the rate, I was looking this up actually. It's like one to two per thousand, less than one percent, hmm. less than or point one percent.
0: Yeah. yeah, and so is it standard practice? Does everybody? Because a lot of people were saying like, my husband got a vasectomy, but he never went and did the follow up yeah. test. Like,
1: I always tell tell patients that doing the testing afterwards, a semen analysis, is as important as getting the test done, like getting the procedure done. Yeah,
0: because
1: if you don't, if you don't do the test, how are you supposed to know if this is actually effective?
0: Yeah,
1: I've actually had a couple of people say, "I'm not going to do it because if it didn't work, then." is like God's plan but yeah okay Drake <laughs> <laughs> yeah so I mean that, that's the most important thing and most most people will get you to do at least one semen analysis test I used to do it once at six weeks and then another one at three months but I found people would either would do one or the other they would do both because it's kind of cumbersome yeah so I I've switched over to just doing it every three months like for th- at three months if that's fine then you don't have to worry about anything
0: How common are adverse outcomes of, so like, you know, every procedure that you get done, they're like, there's the risks involved and blah, blah, blah. Because.
1: So, I mean, the spiel I give people when I talk to them about a a vasectomy and the potential risks. So, like any other procedure leading from the incision, if it's in the scrotum, then you can some, because it's a bag that has no pressure, you can get a collection of blood called a hematoma that can Mm. sometimes form. Obviously, infection. Is so you a,
0: mean like abnormal bleeding, like
1: yeah, okay, yeah. Infection is one potential risk. The risk of infection with vasectomy is extremely low. We don't generally even give patients antibiotics beforehand. Certain patients, obviously, if they're you know if they are predisposed to infections, if they're on immune suppressive medications and things like that, we'll give them antibiotics. Just usually, just right before the procedure. Some people go home with it, and that's a scenario. Other risks, so, you know, obviously failure is one. Mm -hmm. Injury to other structures. You know, obviously you're dealing with this spermatic cord, you're trying to isolate the vas on its own. I've never actually seen this happen, but I've heard one specific instance where the artery to the testicle was cut along with the vas. And so there was no blood flow to the testicle and the testicle was lost. Um, (laughs) RIP. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So I mean that that's I mean those are
0: like extremely rare
1: complications of the procedure itself. In terms of like secondary effects of the vasectomy, so chronic pain in the testicle can sometimes occur. There's various kind of reasons for that or pathology behind it. You know, if you're injuring nerves that are in the spermatic cord. Inflammation in the cord can sometimes compress some structures and nerves that cause pain in the testicle. Because the tube is cut, your your testicles are still making sperm. And if they're not, they don't have anywhere to go, sometimes it can create a bit of a blowout of the epididymis where they're normally maturing that can cause pain in the testicle. But again, these are rare instances.
0: And um, so if that were to happen, are there it's usually treatment just, things or
1: initial treatment is just supportive care, so anti-inflammatories, pain medications. That usually controls things in the vast majority of people. For patients who have chronic pain, like that's probably one to two percent of those patients who have have this issue, this yeah. issue. You can do things like cord blocks, so putting freezing in the spermatic cord to, to control it. You can do something called a, a cord denervation, so cutting the nerves in the spermatic cord. is usually a microsurgical procedure that to, to do that. And that can reduce any sensation in the testicle. Reversing the vasectomy can sometimes improve things because you reestablish that, that flow of sperm so you don't get that buildup. And obviously other kind of more more drastic things, like even taking out the testicle, Again, that's very rare that that would happen, but it does on occasion. I say this, you know, not to scare anyone. The risks involved with a vasectomy are much lower than the vast majority of surgical procedures, certainly much lower than a a tool that a woman would get if Mm -hmm. they were going to do it. And it's just something, just like any other procedure, there's always, you have to weigh your pros and cons, right?
0: So, why, (coughs) obviously, a vasectomy is like, a method of just, like, preventing pregnancy, right? But why do we only do a vasectomy? Like, why don't you just get rid of the sperm?
1: Well, what do you mean?
0: Well, I don't know, because you're like, if you have a vasectomy, some of the adverse, like, one of the possible things would be, like, the sperm are still being created, and blah, blah, blah. It's like, just get the fuck out. There's
1: no real way to do that. You can't really selectively have your testicles stop making sperm, but not stop making hormones like oh, okay oh okay okay,
0: okay 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 okay
1: yeah gotcha if there was a way to do that if there was like a a male birth control then that would be effective it
0: would be like bubbles yeah.
1: <laughs> bubbles had his testicles removed
0: that's what I'm okay. saying though yeah. <laughs> poor little bob uh, yeah <laughs> okay bubbles is my dog by the way so that leads me to the next question which was does a vasectomy affect testosterone no. Okay, so many people had that question, and I was like, that's interesting. Yeah. A lot of people must think that.
1: No, I mean, you're you're interrupting sperm flow. You're not interrupting the production of testosterone in the testicles. Yeah. And it's going to drain into the bloodstream, so there, there's not going to be any effect there.
0: Does reversing a vasectomy <clears throat> always work?
1: No. So, when it comes to vasectomy reversal, the, the things I counsel patients on, in terms of effectiveness... 60 to 80 percent when it comes to reversal mm-hmm. a reversal is generally a much longer procedure it takes a couple of hours generally to do
0: it's in the OR <coughs> not in any, the operating room yeah.
1: yeah most people if you're going to do it if you're going to do it uh, in the operating we'll do it with a microscope because the tube that you're that you're sewing is so tiny like the stitches that we use to do that you can hardly even see it's like a hair yeah so it is a microsurgical procedure. It does take a kind of more of a specialized, subspecialized urologist to do it. I mean, certainly there are some community urologists that that do do it, but it's a very nitpicky type procedure. It's not something that I enjoy.
0: I, I would hate that. Yeah. Like, ugh.
1: and there are certainly factors that can impact the effectiveness. So. You know How long it's been since your vasectomy, if it's been more than 10 to 15 years, the, the success rates are much lower. The length of the defect, so how much of the tube is taken out, can certainly be a problem. And if it's too long, sometimes you have to do other maneuvers to kind of try and make it work. Whether that's getting some more length in the testicle or getting the vas into the epididymis instead of the tube itself. So there, there's definitely things to, to look at or take things to take into account there. The other thing, you know, terrorist specifically, and I think in most provinces in Canada, except for Quebec, I believe it's not covered by OHIP. Mm-hmm. It's not covered by insurance, and so there's it's kind of the wild west out there. In How much does like, it cost? Yeah, so I mean, some people charge like two to three thousand. Some people charge like six thousand mm. for for reversal. So it's it, it's very mm-hmm. variable. And again, best to have the surgery done. There's no guarantee. That That is going to work. For 6,000, you're getting the surgery, but it doesn't mean for 6,000 that it's successful.
0: This episode is brought to you by Little Spoon. If you're like me, then the bane of your existence is thinking about what to feed your children, prepping food, going to the grocery store, all of the above. Who has the time? We are all so busy, and it's important to incorporate things into our life that keep our life as simple and convenient as possible. Lil Spoon is one way to do just that. They deliver fresh, healthy meals and snacks straight to your door that your kid will love at every eating stage they are in. Simplify your kids' mealtime with 30% off your first order. Go to littlespoon.com momroom and enter our code MOMROOM at checkout to get 30% off your first Little Spoon order. This episode is brought to you by Lola V. Lola V is an award-winning hair care line by none other than Jennifer Aniston. They offer clean, plant-powered products for every hair type and texture. I just did my whole hair care routine with all the products the other night, and I am obsessed. Let's say somebody gets a vasectomy <laughs> and then like five years later they want to get it reversed, doesn't work. Yeah. Are they just like shit out of luck? They can't ever have a kid, or can you like no. take the sperm out of the testicle and like, yeah, do IVF? Sure. Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay, cool. I mean,
1: like I said, you're you're the testicles are still making sperm.
0: But they're not maturing, uh, you said.
1: But they're generally not mature, right? So but you can still use immature sperm for assisted reproductive techniques. Oh, interesting. Uh, so things like IVF, something called ICSI, which is a, a different type of assisted assisted reproductive technique, they don't re- necessarily rely on the test on the sperm being able to kind of penetrate the egg because you're you're kind of doing that artificially,
0: right? What is the aftercare slash recovery of yeah. a vasectomy? Like what can people you be expect? weighted on hand and foot. <laughs> no, this yeah. this is a lie.
1: <laughs> no, I mean it's a it's an outpatient procedure under local anesthesia. Yeah. I mean, I would equate it to It's like
0: getting a cavity. Okay. So everybody calm down.
1: I mean, it's cavity in your balls. <laughs> it's a little more sensitive. Yeah, but yeah. but yeah, I mean it's it's Taking it easy for a day or two, and when I tell people take it easy, I mean don't just sit on the couch. You can, you know, walk around. You can do things like that. Don't not too much heavy lifting. Any kind of strenuous activity like that can mm-hmm. can certainly cause more discomfort. Lifting, ju- having kids jump on you or something like that—it's obviously a risk to to creating more discomfort. Icing is very important afterwards. So it will help with the swelling, reducing reducing your discomfort. A bag of frozen peas is what I tell people like a bag, bag of frozen peas will be your friend for 48 hours after the procedure. It's usually wrapped in a in a towel, like a dishcloth on the scrotum. It's really just supportive care. It's not Do you prescribe
0: um, medication? Not usually. Well, we hear things all the time yeah. about like
1: I mean, I usually put in a longer acting local anesthetic, something called Marcane, which mm-hmm. usually lasts like four to six hours after the procedure. Yeah. And and so you're anesthetized for four to six hours, but then afterwards it can also help the pain control. And that for like a day or two after, Tylenol, you know, Advil, Naproxen, those types of things are generally sufficient. You get the odd patient who will call the office like the next day saying their like pain is under control, mm-hmm. so you have to give them something a bit stronger. But I mean, it's just like anything else; like everyone's pain tolerance is a little bit different. But I think you know if you're giving people prescription Pain medication after a vasectomy, you know, I, I think it's probably overkill. Like, I, yeah. I, I don't think someone needs a narcotic pain medication yeah. after a vasectomy. Um,
0: Remember, after I gave birth, a couple like how long after was it when I had that welt and I had to go back into the hospital?
1: Mm, a couple of weeks, probably. No. Yeah, I thought it
0: was like within the first week. Anyways, I was still like in so much pain from giving birth. And yeah. then I remember when I had a welt in my nether regions <laughs> because I'm just a lucky gal. And so I that was the first time I had to leave Milo because I had to go to the hospital. And the general surgeon there had to drain this like welt on my, it was like in between my crotch and my butt. (laughs) And she was like, oh, you poor girl, like you just gave birth and now you're back here with like a welt. I was probably from like wearing diapers or like who knows, right? (laughs) And anyways, she froze me obviously to do that. And I remember driving home being like, oh my God, I feel incredible because like everything was frozen down there. So that's my story.
1: So, very, very similar. I mean, the other thing I tell patients, and I, I think it's very important to know, even though we're doing it under local, you never know how you're going to react to getting this procedure done. Like, people, like, you see guys who have full arm tattoos and stuff, they come in and they're like passing out during mm-hmm. the, the procedure. So, always have someone drop you off, pick you up, because you never know. You never know how you're going to feel. So,
0: I was just going to say a super bad reference, <clears> but.
1: <laughs> Once a happens.
0: I don't want to be canceled. You know? Pussies on the pavement, fellas.
1: <laughs> <laughs> You're going to get canceled for that.
0: I don't care. Okay, let's answer this question and clip it for the ticky-tocky. Is getting a vasectomy a lower health risk than a woman getting her tubes tied?
1: I mean, in terms of the procedure itself, definitely. I mean... This is something we can do in the in the office. It literally takes five minutes and the recovery time is a day or two. For a woman to get a tubal ligation, I mean, generally these days it's usually done with a laparoscopic procedure, if it's like a standalone procedure. Some people, like if they're getting a C section, will will get a uh, tubal ligation at the same time. Or if they're getting other procedures done for other reasons, they can sometimes get that done. But if it's if it's strictly a procedure like You only want the tubal ligation done. It's usually laparoscopic, Mm -hmm. which I mean that carries other potential risks: bleeding, injury to other structures in your abdomen and your pelvis. So certainly higher risk overall. It's a it's a general anesthetic or a spinal anesthetic usually. Mm. So it's I mean it's completely different animals when it comes to procedures.
0: And honestly, like if you have had kids, like. She's gone through enough. Go get your fucking vasectomy. Like, give me a break. Yeah. And I feel like people are asking that question because I put up a question box on Instagram, and the, I'm just reading some of the questions that I got, yeah. and that came up like quite a few times. And I'm sure it's because their husband is like, Ooh, "Just get your tubes tied." Like, I
1: think you know a lot of the time when I was when I do consults for patients who want a vasectomy, it's oh, my wife told me to come in. Like, that's not an uncommon. Common mm-hmm. thing, but then at the same time, you also get a lot of people who are like, my wife went through a lot with their pregnancy or delivery, whatever. Yeah, and you know, this is the least I could do. So, I mean, I, I think I don't think you can pigeonhole like an entire group of individuals. Me? Yeah.
0: What do you mean? <laughs> I oh saying, no, no I'm not. Get your- <laughs> no, no, no. no. Yeah. I'm saying for the people that ask that question. Yeah. I'm not saying all men are. Clearly not because the wait times to get a vasectomy are huge. Yeah, so I it, know most men are getting yeah, vasectomies. Yeah, yeah. I think it's very common to get yeah. a vasectomy, but I know that there's a handful of people that are like, "Get your tubes tied." I don't want to go and get my little. Yeah, fucking. but these people
1: are just assholes. <laughs> like, you know what? But that's there's those, those are the those people are,
0: that see my content.
1: Those are personalities. <laughs> like this is not that's a personality yeah. problem. That's not a. That's yes. Not a common thing.
0: Pussies on the pavement, fellas. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I could just like quote and reference Superbad all day, every day. But I'm due I to think watch. If you reference
1: it. it enough, you might have to pay them a royalty.
0: No, probably. So. Literally, just quickly. Does a vasectomy affect libido? Is there an increased risk of cancer? A few people ask that question too about the cancer. I don't know why. Where looked, this is coming uh, from? You know,
1: I'll be honest. I looked into that because it's not something that I, you look into a lot. But there's no data to suggest either of those things. Yeah. So, I mean, I wouldn't. I wouldn't be concerned about that at all.
0: Why are there such long wait times? And again, we're in Canada for getting a vasectomy.
1: I mean, I think I think one of the issues is that the there are some areas where people aren't aren't doing it. Like we moved recently, and our group doesn't do it. Really, there's one guy who's kind of semi-retired that that does some of them, but the reason we don't is because we work at a hospital with some religious affiliations, and, and it's not something you can you can do there. Some people choose not to do it because it's just not a high. Like you can do a high volume, but it's it it doesn't pay very well when it comes to doing vasectomies. At the same time, I think when it comes to and I'm speaking specifically for Ontario for for in Canada, people don't like you see your family doctor and they don't really know who to refer to. Mm -hmm. Like there's not there's no like centralized wait list for vasectomy. Or any surgical procedure, really. So you don't really know who to who to refer to. So you get one person who's got like a huge wait list, and then other people who can get you in in a couple of weeks, right?
0: And you do need a um, referral
1: in Canada. Canada, in Canada. Canada, yeah, yeah.
0: yeah in the US, um, it's 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 different, right? Like you can just call told, up a clinic and be like, yeah. "Hey, I can kind of get a vasectomy." You,
1: well, I, I I shouldn't say that. In uh, in Ontario, there's you can get a referral to to a urologist that does it. There are some family doctors that actually do vasectomies in their clinics as well. I was going to well. ask
0: that, yeah.
1: And there's also these clinics around that strictly do things like vasectomy and circumcisions, that sort of thing. It's kind of a mix. I mean, I think some of them, from, from what I recall when I looked at it before, there were some that had family doctors, some that have a urologists that are kind of semi-retired that work there. So those are... Those are kind of assembly lines when it comes to these procedures. So they usually can see you relatively quickly. The you know, obviously there you have to go kind of a bigger center to do those. There's not there's not a ton of them around. I mean, if you're in southern Ontario like we are, there's a ton of these clinics around. But if you're like in northern Ontario, there isn't really an not option. Much. And yeah, but, but I mean, you, you kinda have to go where you feel comfortable.
0: Somebody like because you mentioned the circumcision, I know some people had questions from when I put it up on Instagram about circumcision. Go listen to episode 51. This is about neonatal, like kids. Pediatric. We have a whole episode on pediatric urology, which is very good. I'm gonna link it in my stories maybe next week too. I'll link like all the episodes that we've done. But yeah, highly recommend listening to that one. Faux show. Sure. Okay, the other questions I'm not going to get into. I think we should save it for another full episode to talk about like reproductive health. Cause I want to talk about a bunch of things like erectile dysfunction. Somebody asked about that. Mm-hmm. Um, I wanted to tell you about when I was watching and just like that, the Sex in the City reboot. One of the ladies was. Intimate with a man that had a penis pump, and I wanted to talk to you about that. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> like I want to know what it is, and like, like he actually there, like pulled it out.
1: Like the, and so I, you mean a pump or an implant? Pump, a totally different thing. Oh, okay.
0: He like took out this like little device to pump. Oh, okay. Before they were, it's not really
1: something I prescribed. Very, very I
0: know, but I'm just saying, like, it was an interesting thing, and I was like, oh,
1: I thought you meant like an implant, which is a totally different. Yeah,
0: like let's talk about that. Like, so let's do another episode where we talk about like erectile dysfunction. I want to talk about testosterone and like when people. I was going to say supplement with testosterone. Is that like how you would say it? Supplement or like take testosterone? Yeah. Like what that does. Things that negatively affect male reproductive health. All that kind of stuff. So I think that could be like an episode in and of itself. So we will save those topics because I do want to talk about them. Anyways, that's it for today. I hope you guys enjoyed. And Liquid Death can sponsor the podcast and send me some (laughs) cases of your water so I don't have have to drive drive to to Buffalo.
1: Buffalo. I'm sure in Niagara Falls somewhere they have it.
0: Reese was saying that there's certain there's like random stores or like gas stations where you'll walk in and they have Liquid Death. But I, I think he said cases. But I was like, I'm not driving around the GTA looking for cases of Liquid Death. Oh, like,
1: here, yeah. Oh,
0: they sell Liquid Death. I'm sure.
1: I like. I'm like any anybody can go buy this in the states and then resell it here. It's got a barcode, right?
0: Oh, I should set up a little shop.
1: I mean, that's how a lot of these convenience stores and stuff sell stuff.
0: People were saying that <clears throat> Summerhill Market sells spindrift. Because, like, look, guys, literally, we went to Buffalo and like half of my cart at Target was water, <laughs> sparkling water.
1: I went to Phoenix.
0: <laughs> and water.
1: I went to Phoenix and put a case in my suitcase
0: <laughs> of spindrift. Because every time I go to LA, I get Spindrift from Trader Joe's, and I like savor it in my hotel room, and I just love it so much.
1: But we got it from Target this time, and it was like a dollar cheaper. It
0: was for, much cheaper at yeah. Target, yeah, for sure. That's why yeah. when people messaged me and they were like, oh, they sell Spindrift at Summerhill Market in Toronto. I'm like, yeah. oh God, it's probably like 10 bucks a can. Because
1: like, <laughs> you have to go all the way to Target to go get it.
0: No, Summerhill Market.
1: No, no, but I mean, they have to go. Where, where are they getting it from?
0: Oh, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. yeah. Anyways,
1: if they could import it into Canada and sell it, wouldn't they be selling it at every store?
0: You would think so because, like, I'm not gonna lie, I don't like sparkling water at Mm -hmm. all. Like, I'm not a fan of carbonation, but the Spindrift has real fruit juice in it and -hmm. they have all different flavors. Clearly, it's really popular in the States, they have so many flavors, Mm -hmm. but like, you can't find it here. You don't get a
1: Spindrift or Liquid Death sponsorship after that.
0: Yeah, okay. and I discovered Liquid Death also when I went to LA because the recording studio that I use there, they have a fridge stocked of Liquid Death, hmm. which is like so smart because I'm sure Liquid Death sends them cases because every time people podcast,
1: now you have people driving two hours to yeah to go get it because they drink it one time. Yeah, because they
0: drink it one time, and I was like, yeah. oh my god, water in a can from a mountain? Like, <laughs> give it to me. It's so. probably from a
1: tap somewhere.
0: Oh my God. Anyways. Okay. Well, this has been lovely. Hopefully the video and the audio works out. I think it actually will. This is lovely. I'm going to do this all the time.
1: Can I go to bed now?
0: Yeah. So (laughs) it's what guys, it's 20 to 10 on Wednesday and this episode will be out next Tuesday, but normally we would be upstairs. I would be heading to bed right now to read my Kindle. Yeah. So thanks for hanging out, bub. It's been a real slice. I
1: feel like Bob was mischievous and did something over there.
0: Probably he probably peed on my fucking wedding dress that is over there.
1: Oh, he was like, he was like
0: trying to make a bed in it.
1: Yeah.
0: Honestly, does somebody need a wedding dress? Like just DM me because this thing is like taking up space in my closet. Then I move it down into the basement and then your mom put it in my studio, like on the chair, because I just threw it on the couch. I'm like, I don't know where to put this thing. Like, I don't want it. It was expensive. Like
1: You're just hang it up in the
0: and do what? so that I can throw it out in 10 years? Why don't I donate it to someone that doesn't have money to buy a wedding dress? I'm like, here is this beautiful dress.
1: I mean, it's not like... Uh,
0: I don't what? Know. I don't know. What were you going to say? <laughs> <laughs> Put this on the pavement, fellas. <laughs> okay, well, this was fun. You should come on more often. And then we actually sit down here and talk when Milo's sleeping. Yeah,
1: when he ever goes to bed on time. Like this is,
0: Hey, uh, he's pretty good. Yeah. He's had some some moments, but anyways. Recently, yeah. Do you see, though, how we held the boundary today for swimming lessons, and he went? When Tanya was here, Tanya Kotler, we were talking about boundaries and gender parenting. I don't think anyone knows and, that he
1: didn't want to go to swimming.
0: No, nobody knows, but they yeah. will know when yeah. they listen to this. He didn't want to go to swimming today. And my conversation that I had with Tanya when she was over here, and I don't know if it was on the podcast or if it was just like us talking, I was asking like, I don't understand, like holding a boundary. And I gave her the example of like, a kid doesn't want to put on their winter coat, but it's like minus 30 outside. And they're just like, no, no. Like, cause Milo's at an age now where he'll just be like, "Mm, no, I'm not going. Like, I don't want to go. I'm not Mm -hmm. going. And like, won't come near us, like tries to run away if we like go to get him. So today I was like, you are going to swimming? Like it's a safety issue for me. It's not even like, oh, you don't want to go do this like activity. Like, no, it's like a safety thing. Like he needs to take swimming lessons. I remember Tanya saying to me, like, sometimes you physically have to just calmly, like you're very calm. Like this is just, I'm holding a boundary. Like I'm not freaking out physically get their coat on them Physically bring them into the car. Like he wasn't wearing his boots. He didn't have his coat on because he wouldn't put them on. He was like kicking his feet to get his boots <laughs> on. I'm like, put him in the car without his boots. Like, I don't give a shit. He is going to swimming. And then he went to swimming, had a great time, did his swimming lessons because we just were c-
1: it took about 10 minutes before he actually went to the pool. But
0: but still, yeah. whatever. We held the boundary and we fucking won. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Anyways, okay. Thank you guys so much for listening. Thank you for coming into my little <laughs> dungeon. And I, I know he's so cute on camera like, so cute. Oh, okay. Well, thanks. Huh. Bye.